It's the JT and Looney Podcast, episode 48. And I do have to explain one thing ahead of time. Hi, it's Looney. I'm Looney! No jingle necessary. I'm a humble man. God! It's obnoxious. Before the podcast started, I didn't check to make sure my microphone, my Shure 555H microphone was in the correct position. I forgot to push a button. So the entire time you hear this podcast, I will sound like I'm on the other side of the room because I'm three feet away from my Macintosh. And the podcast was recording me using my Macintosh microphone rather than my Shure 555H, which is one of the coolest microphones in the world. Look it up. It's the one Elvis has in all those pictures. The 50s Elvis, not the fat Elvis. And before we start, i got to talk about the coolest website on Earth. Football is back. And you might not be at the games this year, but you can still bet on them at betonline.ag. Head there. Check it out. they got everything from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Love the props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager and bet on stuff than any other place online. It's really cool. There's always the online casino. It never closes. Head to betonline.ag. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses you get by listening to the JT and Looney podcast. It's really cool. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So thank you ahead of time for putting up with the annoyance of my microphone technical snafu. In the meantime, now, it's our Super Bowl picks on the JT and Looney Podcast, episode 48. With me sounding like I'm coming out of a Maxwell House coffee can. Wow, this is great. Check this out. The first time we're ever doing the podcast where there are three games on. Little hint, because you can hear a podcast at any time. Right. Sunday night football kicks off Thursday night football, Kansas City-Houston. I have my Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars in the Western Conference Finals, and we have your Lakers and the Rockets all at the same time. You're telling me sports is back? How about that proven sports is back? Oh, it's great to have it back. We need it as an escape, and and, and what's really outstanding right now at this moment in my life as we take a snapshot of this moment, September 10th. That's the way it is, September 10th, 2020, as Walter Cronkite would say. And that is, I have a team to be nervous about because the Lakers are in the playoffs for the first time in forever since 2012. And I get to be nervous about the Lakers again. It's so fun to have a team to be nervous about. Your Lakers are unbelievably great, but they're flawed. They're not like the 85, 86 uh, Magic Johnson Lakers and the Bird Celtics. So they're good in this bubble. Because they look really good when LeBron goes off or Rondo has one game in every 10. That's good. But I'm just saying this because I don't want to sound like a boomer, as my son says. But I'll just tell you that these teams, <laughs> these teams are very good. They're athletically. The, be- the players are better than they've ever been athletically. Yes. But because all they do is shoot threes, they can't run a play. They just shoot threes. And they don't have these deep, great teams that I remember, like the Bad Boy Pistons, the Jordan Bulls, the Bird Celtics, the Magic and Kareem Lakers. I'm sorry, I've seen enough. Nada, I'm done. No bueno. As they said, these teams are great for the time we're living in. But man, 
oh man, I'm watching a lot of this basketball in the bubble and these kick it out for three, kick it out for three, kick it out for three minutes, kick it out for three. These teams would get their ass kicked. They'd get chewed up. What Shaq would do to this league, what Shaq would do in one overtime wouldn't mean we'd go to a second overtime because they'd park Shaq's ass on the block in the first overtime and he'd score 10 and this thing would be over. Forget the Celtics of the 80s and the Lakers of the 80s and Shaq. The greatest NBA team of all time, the greatest Laker team of all time, the Powell Kobe Lakers. If you'll remember, and we were right there in your living room, one of the greatest parties of all time, one of the greatest playoff series of all time. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden were on the same team and the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they couldn't, those three great guys couldn't beat just Kobe and Powell together, who would speak Spanish on the floor, and nobody would do what they're talking about as Kobe directed traffic. And I, I never want anyone to mention Laker great teams or great teams of all time without mentioning the Kobe Powell Lakers, who always, that Ferrari is always getting overlooked. One nice thing to say about Powell, too, because there's so many, uh, every once in a while I see a video of Powell spending the day with Kobe's girls. And he's yeah. doing that because he's such a great human being that he knows that Kobe hasn't even been dead a year and he needs to be with Kobe's girls because Kobe's not there for them. So Powell is showing up and doing things on Father's Day or on Kobe's birthday, acting like the dad of those kids. I love that about Pau Gasol. Those two dad. were as close as any uh, as anybody was close to Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kobe and Powell, for a lot of reasons. They were outsiders. Powell was an outsider from Europe. Kobe was an outsider who grew up in Europe. Uh, Kobe wasn't a kid who grew up, who had street cred. He grew up in the suburbs. His dad was an NBA player. They were both educated in Europe. They spoke two, three, four languages. Powell was the son of a doctor. So they really weren't typical NBA, American NBA stock. They were outsiders that got along wonderfully. And Powell had a work ethic that Kobe respected, where Shaq didn't. So that was one of the greatest tandems, if not the greatest tandem of all time in the NBA. And that team, if you remember, took down the all-star team that the Thunder had put together with Harden, Durant, and Westbrook on the same team. And Kobe was able to chisel away at that team. And that's the same thing that LeBron James can do. With Anthony Davis, those are the two top ten. Two, that's the only team in the NBA with two top five players. The Lakers right now, so they could. Uh, this team, I, I disagree with you. A team with with LeBron James, maybe the greatest basketball player of all time, and Anthony Davis, who can play like a guard and he's a center but likes to be called a forward. They can beat anybody. Yeah, I disagree. Era. I disagree because I think the team concept in the game. Look, what, well, the only way that these teams would win against those great teams of all time that we mentioned is they'd have to get out to a lead because the game has changed. And I'm not a big believer. I believe you're allowed to compare Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds. I believe that you can compare oh, Ben Hogan. speech. I could. <laughs> right, you can do this. You're allowed to. But for some reason in the NBA, we can't do it. In the NBA, it's different eras. Like Will Chamberlain. Well, everyone calls a timeout, right, and says you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, Will Chamberlain, it would be tough to compare him, not his height, but his athletic ability with what we see today with Giannis, right? Giannis is such a unique athlete. Wilt was great, but they didn't do what Giannis can do. And right. what's, what's really pulling at me, and it, it came about with Steph Curry 
in the Warriors winning three out of five, which should have been five out of five, and it should have easily been four out of five, but it was three out of five, and I love to blast the Warriors this way. Because they were supposed to win five out of five and they didn't, let's wipe out that they're the greatest dynasty of all time because they're not. Because right. they, they lost one on the LeBron block and Kyle uh, Kyrie Irving's great win, and then you know they lost another one where they were pretty much a no-show in the NBA Finals, but the three they won, and the, and the greatest team they ever had, the most wins they ever had in the regular season, I believe the 73 wins, LeBron beat them. Yeah, LeBron final. beat And remember, LeBron gave him hell when, LeBron, when Kyrie Irving was hurt, and it was LeBron and Matthew Dellavedova <laughs> gave that great Warrior team a hard time in the Finals. So when LeBron's on the team and LeBron's on the floor... Uh, I think the Clippers are, are presuming that the Clippers are already polishing the Lawrence O'Brien trophy. And they shouldn't be because you got to go through LeBron James. And the Warriors had trouble with LeBron James when his number one go-to guy was Matthew Dellavedova. Well, I said this the other night on the radio, on Mad Dog Radio. I said that when LeBron had that brilliant first half in this series, he had the great first half against Houston. Mm-hmm. 30 points, and I said after the game, I brought up Michael Jordan again. I got a couple of calls on the Jordan freaks saying he's the greatest of all time. I said, no, no, no. Okay, let's let's throw out a new stat for LeBron. What he's doing at this age, because you bring up beautifully that Michael could never play in the NBA when he was in high school. No, he did not, not have the intestinal fortitude or the not mental even, strength. No. Not even close. Well, Michael could never play at this level, at this level at LeBron's age. That's not even debatable. And LeBron's going to do this two or three years from now. Two oh, or three yeah. years. Look at how did Michael do with the Wizards and then compare that? How is LeBron doing with the Lakers? When exactly. You're but you can't wipe out the 6-0 and in the NBA Finals. That the you Jordan- can't. And you got to be careful. You know, sometimes if you even critique in the most honest way, uh, the president, President Trump, his fans go nuts. People have the same kind of like Trump derangement syndrome, both the people who love him and hate him, that they have they have Michael Jordan derangement syndrome. If you tell the truth, forget any type of abstract uh, type of critique. If you tell the truth about Michael Jordan and it's not what people want to hear and, and Michael is their daddy, they will attack you on Twitter and on your talk show. In the end zone of the Chiefs game, it takes all of us and then in the other end zone, end racism. Players, and this is important to us in the history of this podcast, yeah. this is a big platform for us going forward. NBC opened up the broadcast with players putting on the back of their helmet Breonna Taylor mm-hmm. and putting on names. So they opened up the broadcast. They didn't hide it. This is part of the NBC production. They opened up the broadcast with the names of some of the players. And now a few Kansas City Chiefs are taking a knee. As we speak, a few, I want to walk us through this because as we record the podcast, we're both, you know, Looney and I both have lives and other jobs, but this podcast means everything to us. We got to tell you what's happening live, which is what we've done for 14 years on the radio. I'm seeing a few fists in the air. I'm seeing more players standing. I am shocked. I am shocked at how many players are standing as they're doing the Black National Anthem. Mm-hmm. which will go into the national anthem. So this is interesting to me. I'm happy that we're able to share this on the podcast because I thought the entire sideline would be down on a knee, and I'm not seeing this as the broadcast is opening. 
Well, and we can go into a territory here where so much of a lot of this angst, so much is the NFL's fault. Because the NFL took money from the military and agreed with the military they would move the national anthem from pregame to primetime in every single game. We used to have it before the game won, uh, and we used to have it during the playoffs. But they decided they would help the military recruit soldiers, not to defend our country, but to go off on whatever those Afghan and Iraq schemes are. And they would participate in that. And what happened? Well, then Colin Kaepernick came along and took a knee, and it became a national issue. And if they had never done that and never taken that money and gone cahoots with the military money, then we, who knows if we would ever have the Colin Kaepernick controversy, politics mis- mixed with football, etc. And, you know, and until at least George Floyd, and then that turned everything upside down. But uh, the NFL has to take a long look in the mirror, and I think they have, and that's why I think one of the reasons why they've evolved, JT, is that they're looking at the future. They're looking at the texture of America, what colors we are, we're a mixed race, and we're mi- mixed ethnicities. They're looking to the future, kind of like Nike, when they got in bed with Kaepernick and thought, well, the future of America is uh, a lot of different colors rather than just white. And I think that's what they're doing by going all in now on the other side of this with Black Lives Matter, etc. And the Houston Texans were in the locker room completely for the start of the game or the start of this anthem. So they were not out there. It was only Kansas City on their field. Bill O'Brien just led his team out onto the field. Interesting. We're talking about this in real time on our podcast, and we're telling you about what we're seeing. And we're going to get now into our Super Bowl picks. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it, it Every year, and last night, I believe, was the 20th annual time that I predicted and made my Super Bowl picks on radio, waiting to do it with you because the quick backstory is years and years ago in the mid to late 90s, I worked at Sports Fan Radio Network, a network that spawned a lot of sports talk radio hosts that came out of that. And one of them who shall shall, uh, remain nameless well, just kept changing his Super Bowl pick every week of the playoffs. Oh, God. It's called Tom him. Looney Syndrome. Yeah, so I said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to pick our Super Bowl picks at the start of the year, and we're going to live with them. And I've been right. I said this. I went back in my notes. You know I keep a journal. And I'm I look back stunned at how often you've been right or close. Yeah, I've been – yeah, in, in the last nine years, nine years, I got the Super Bowl prediction right four times. I got oh, my right God. Seattle, when they won, I got it right when – Baltimore won and beat San Francisco that year, which was a really good one. I got the Seattle one right. I got the Seattle one right when Seattle won the Super Bowl. Remember, they lost two, and there's one other one. So from time to time, I get a little bit lucky here. It's tough to pick the Super Bowl because a lot of people just go with the chalk, and they say, well, we're going to pick the winner from last year. But we haven't had a repeat Super Bowl champion since, I believe, 2003. Oh, matter of fact, it's unbelievable how often a team won't even make the playoffs after going to the Super Bowl the year before. It's unbelievable how many, I think, uh, 50% of the time in the modern era, as they say. So here we go. I'm going to start off in the NFC, because in the NFC, (laughs) and I'll go, and then you can jump back in, and we'll go back and forth. In the NFC, I've been known to exaggerate, not to lie. So I will tell you this. I don't recall a time. I can't recall a time where the playoffs that I had in the NFC that is this loaded. So this year we're able to add an extra team. 
This year we have seven playoff teams. Very important point. We've had six throughout the entire time. Now we add one. We add a wild card. So here we go. Here's what I've done with my Super Bowl picks on the side of the NFC. Okay. I have the Dallas Cowboys winning the East over the Eagles. Okay. And the reason I have that is because they just have too many stars. They have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke Elliott, Dak Prescott, a great offensive line. I don't see any of that on Philadelphia. They got Carson Wentz who always gets hurt. I can't name a receiver. You know, I can't, you know, Deshaun Jackson. You look at the team and you're like, who do they have? They don't have the stars of Dallas. So I went with the Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys are going to be a Super Bowl contender. Are you confident with that just based on how how completely unpredictable, schizophrenic the Dallas Cowboys have been since 2000? Yes, I think that Jerry Jones, I don't think he's a great GM, but I think he's getting better. I think they went out and they added to this team where they had holes. They lost a couple of players. But overall, I like their roster. I just like their roster, and I'll get to this point momentarily. I like their roster a lot better than Philadelphia. I don't like it a lot better than the NFC. That's why the T's ahead. I'm not picking them to win the Super Bowl. I'm picking them to win the East. In the North, I have the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, The Vikings got Yannick Ngakwe, the great pass rusher who won it out of Jacksonville. He's great. He's right there with Khalil Mack or right behind him. They just added him. They have Adam Thielen. They have Cook, the running back. Kirk Cousins, I've always thought, is a really good player. Last year he went to the playoffs. You're the guy. Okay. Yeah, I'm the guy. He lost (laughs) last year in Santa Clara to the 49ers. So I like the Minnesota Vikings to win the North, Tom. Okay. One thing I always worry about the Green Bay Packers and the people who pick the Green Bay Packers must worry about the same thing. I kind of compare them to the Dallas Mavericks over the course of the last century, you know, since 2000, since whenever Aaron Rodgers started playing quarterback there and whenever Dirk Nowitzki got got to the Mavericks. Both very good every year, one championship to show for it and disappointing most years. That's that's your Packers. So you're smart not to pick them. In the South, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just think that that roster's too good. What about they, that division? The division's great. They added, they added Leonard Fournette. They just got him fresh, the running back. They got Shady McCoy, LaShawn McCoy. They got Brady. They got Gronk. They got Godwin. They got Evans. They're just yeah, loaded. They're good up. on paper, like the Browns last year. Good on paper. And I think they're good enough on paper that they're going to win the South or at least get a wild card. And then in the West... Uh, San Francisco won the West in an epic battle last year with Seattle that came They're down to one game. They're loaded. They're loaded. I'm going to go with Seattle. I have Seattle. Whoa! The Seahawks, the Seahawks winning the West. So check out my wild cards. Tell me this isn't the craziest murderer's row you've ever seen in your life for wild cards. My wild cards are the 49ers, the Saints, and the Packers. Well, yeah, those are three teams that could win the Super Bowl. That yes. is the murderous role, making it to the wild card. Because I don't think, I don't know if the San Francisco 49ers will lose a game. So I, I think that, I mean, so if you, you can give me a hint, wink, wink, where I'm going. So I, I'm, I'm really surprised you would have the San Francisco 49ers as a wild card team. Although, see, I always remember uh, over the years when picking divisions, I always say go with uh, history. Of the organization, organizational history, and the Seattle Seahawks this century have had a tremendous organizational history under Pete Carroll. The only way I'm doing that is one of the great new cliches in all of sports. Oh, you know, I love those. The Super Bowl hangover. 
Oh. <laughs> you the Super Bowl one year and you have the Super Bowl hangover. Yes, yes, I'm yes. going to give the 49ers a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, just a little bit. I got them in the playoffs, but I don't have them going to the Super Bowl. Okay, and now let's go over to your AFC picks. My AFC picks, this is hard because there's three or four teams in the AFC that I'm leaving out of the wild card that okay. I think could come in. But I think the power of balance in the AFC shifted. I would have picked New England to win the East. I don't have them even as a wild card. Because, oh, my God, you're crazy, but go ahead. Yeah, two of their players, great defensive players, opted out. Didn't get injured. They didn't get wiped out for the year. Like Von Miller was injured. He's gone for the year. New England guys just decided to opt out. Oh, yeah, they're the greatest franchise. In the last 20 years, they've won six. And a couple of their players on defense opted out. That gives me enough confidence to say the Buffalo Bills, who won 10 games last year, 10, yes. 10 games and made the playoffs, the Buffalo Bills will win the AFC East. Well, I love you for that, but boy, it's just like, it's just like getting in bed with the Cleveland Browns. Good luck with that. <laughs> in the North, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Ravens were the best team in football last year, and they didn't even win a playoff game. Yeah, they were the one seed. They had a home yeah. bye week, and they never even won a playoff game. <sighs> I think that's going to rattle their cage. I think that's their motivation. Anybody they were the hope diamond of the NFL last year. Every game was great, and then they laid an egg. Yeah, they had the MVP and a guy named Lamar Jackson. In the South, you talked about the NFC South. What a division. I think this one could be just as good. I'm going to go with the Titans. They just picked up Jadavion Clowney on that defensive line. Mike Vrabel and him came together on a deal. Ryan Tannehill was great last year, and then Derrick Henry you're a workout guy. You're a bodybuilder. Watch that guy's workouts in the offseason. His workouts are amazing. And I love, I mean, we grew up in the era of the running back, and I could just watch him play all day. And in the West, Kansas City. Kansas City, I believe, is just bar none better than any other team out there. I have Kansas City winning the West. Even though the West is getting a little bit more difficult, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. So my division winners are Buffalo, Baltimore, Tennessee, and Kansas City. Now the wild card gets tough because these are teams that I have in the wild card that could have won their division. First, I'll go with Phillip Rivers in the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, God, you and Phillip Rivers. Oh, when will you the stop? Offense, the offensive line is incredible. They can run it. They have the best tackler in the NFL. They have just a bunch of good things, and I think this is the last ride for Rivers. If Rivers doesn't have to throw at third and 19 and third and 33, I think Rivers will be checked down Charlie. I think they'll move the chains. Uh, sorry. Yeah, just so when he's checking down, he's not throwing a pick six in remember, the first quarter. Remember, I didn't say Rivers in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I in the playoffs. All right. uh, here's the toughest choice I'm going to have to make. Toughest one is Steelers or Browns as a wild card. Because I love the Browns. Last year when we did this, I went all in on the Browns. I thought they'd make the playoffs, and they didn't. Well, with Odell Beckham Jr. and everything they have with Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry, Miles Garrett, new coach, I left them out, and I'm going with Big Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, okay, smart move. Minka Fitzpatrick in that defense. They got good linebackers, good D-line. And then Big Ben's coming back. Now, the risk on Big Ben, Tom, is he comes back. No one's really ever had that elbow injury as a quarterback, right. let alone a pitcher, and pitchers have been able to come back from it. So I don't know, but I'm going to put Big Ben in as a wild card. You good with that? I'm very good with that. I've been a huge fan of his style over the years. At times, when he was younger anyway, the best quarterback in the NFL, especially when things break down. When we talk about things Michael Jordan could never do, let's talk about what Tom Brady could never do. 
He sucks when things break down. Big Ben gets better when the pressure is on and things break down. He throws touchdown passes. Yeah, you need about five guys to bring him down to in the yeah. bottom. Ah. And then my seventh team, I hope it's lucky number seven as I'm here in Vegas. I have the Las Vegas Raiders oh, as seven seed. Uh, Derek Carr last year, last year they were one game out of the playoffs and they got robbed in two games and they lost two games late that they should have won. And I just think from seeing the Raiders as closely as I do, if they didn't make the playoffs because of their schedule, I wouldn't be shocked. But I think they could win 10 games or 9 games because they're really good. So I'm going to put Vegas in their inaugural season with no fans at Allegiant Stadium. I'm going to put Derek Carr in as a 7 seed. Those are my AFC picks. Okay, and then let's move on to your Super Bowl. Super Bowl is interesting because the teams that I have playing at home, I have losing the championship game, both of them, which is very rare because you probably don't lose that game all the time. In the AFC championship, I have Baltimore at Kansas City. Okay. And in the NFC championship game, I have a really good battle with Minnesota at Seattle. So my Super Bowl pick is I have the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, what a great Super Bowl. And the Ravens win the Super Bowl 28-24. to The one thing I'm kicking my ass for is I picked the Vikings to go all this way, all this way to the Super Bowl, and I don't have the balls to pick them. To lose again. Well, yeah, Vikings don't win Super Bowls. They blow really important playoff games over the years. And and it's Kirk Cousins. So the bum slayer, you're going with the bum slayer. He's 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 going to get over that title this year? Yeah. I, I have Kirk Cousins having a great year. Remember, the milestone for Kirk Cousins, three years ago, he signed an $84 million deal. Yeah. This is the end of the $84 million deal. He got every bleeping penny, penny of oh. it. Yeah, every rem- penny of it. How about yeah. that? I remember, Brett Favre had three or four of those deals over the course of his career and played every game and every deal. Um, it's, it's great. If, uh, if he can do it, so far he's been able to at least play. In other words, suit up and play. Not well, but he's been, he's been able to play. Okay, uh, let's start with... Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, let's, uh, let's start with the AFC. I'm going to start with the AFC. And I'm just, I'm just going with playoffs and championship games, not picking divisions, but our con- because our contract with Believe calls for you to always have a higher word count than me. Our AFC championship game will feature the Patriots... And the Ravens, the Ravens hosting in Baltimore from a raucous crowd of 25,222. You think they'll let that many people in? Uh, the Patriots start the season with a healthier offensive line. People aren't paying much attention to that. Uh, a healthy, a, a house full of, of running backs that they can use, and they always love it. And, you know, whenever, whenever Cam Newton can check down a lot and he doesn't have to throw the bar, he's very, he's very accurate at uh, four or five yards out. And life ain't easy for a boy named Michelle. Sony Michelle has a chip on his shoulder, and this year he's going to be outstanding for the Patriots. And oh, and a quarterback who can tuck it too. And additionally, who 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 lets the New England Patriots get a former NFL MVP at quarterback there for all these years of just tiptoeing through the tulips and winning the AFC East so easily? Tom Brady finally leaves, and the rest of the NFL lets them get. Cam Newton, a former NFL MVP. Do you still think Cam has a lot left? I do. 
Yeah, I don't. I have to believe that. Whoa. I have to see Cam because when the way Cam was throwing those shot puts, he was reminding me more of Rivers. I didn't see great arm. I just didn't see the arm the way we did when he was much younger. But right. look. You know, this is what's great about our picks and what's so good about yours. I didn't have New England in the playoffs. So yeah. I'm going to push back on you. you got to at least tell us on this podcast why you think New England's better than Buffalo. Oh. If you're youth, because if you got them going to the AFC Championship game, either you got them beating Buffalo and embarrassing yeah. Buffalo or something didn't happen right when I just told you about Buffalo about five minutes ago. Well, there is a rule in Vegas, don't bet on dog shit teams. Buffalo has a terrible history, and so do the Cleveland Browns. Who wants to touch the bill? The, 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 yeah, Rick Jacksonville, what are you doing? So I, I just stay away. I go with organizational history. Who's got the best coach in the NFL? Uh, most likely the New England Patriots. Who's got the best defensive coach in the NFL? The New England Patriots, their head coach, and Bill Belichick. Who might have the best defense in the NFL? With Cam Newton having very little pressure on him to actually overperform like he had to do in Carolina when he's got a defense that's given him that's giving him the ball constantly and not giving up any points. So the reason why, uh, no matter whose list you look at, the Patriots may have one, two, third, first, second, third best defense in the AFC. And when you got that, and Cam Newton, former NFL MVP at quarterback who can run it and pass it, I don't know why you let any of those other 31 teams let an NFL MVP go to New England after all these years. Uh, oh, and then there is... The Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are going to do it with defense. Everyone loves to look at uh, Lamar Jackson and the shiny toy, the Ferrari, the Lamborghini they've got in the driveway in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, just a cherry on the Sunday, JT, for this Ravens team. Look at who, just with their defense, and Patrick Queen at linebacker, who could be. Remember this name, Patrick Queen. What a great life ain't easy for a boy named Queen. But I will tell you this. He was our 28th overall pick. He's a monster. And we haven't gotten to see him in the preseason. But from everything, you know, I have a, a fetish for the Baltimore Ravens and always had him. Always loved their defense and they're back at it with their defense again. And they may have the best defense in the NFL. And they got Lamar Jackson at quarterback, the best defense in the NFL. That's why I'm saying Lamar Jackson is just a cherry on the Sunday. The Sunday is that Baltimore defense. Calais Campbell, five-time Pro Bowl defensive One of my favorite players. One of the best yeah. players in football is Calais Campbell. You mentioned how do we let the Patriots have Cam Newton. How in God's name do you let Baltimore have Calais Campbell? You're, You're right. Guy who comes from the the same pedigree of a Haloti Nada and right. someone that you drop right in the middle of that defensive line and you go they have him now that's interesting remember they lost Earl Thomas the great safety had yep. that meltdown they had to kick him off the team I mean they literally kicked him off the team that's a little bit of a concern for me but when you mentioned Baltimore with John Harbaugh Wink Martindale Don Wink Martindale the defensive oh and that tic-tac-toe defense that Wink Martindale has oh my god and you know one of the things you mentioned about that they may still may have one of the best defensive backfields in the NFL if my memory serves me correctly and I have almost total instant recall as you know JT I believe it's Jimmy Smith Marianne Humphrey Marcus Peters Tavon Young yeah, they so, have a really good defensive backfield, no doubt. Even though they lost Earl Thomas, their corners are locked down corners. So you have Cam Newton versus Lamar Jackson in the AFC Championship game? Yes, I do, and that'll happen in Baltimore because who knows if the Baltimore Ravens will lose a game. Uh, this is the third year for, for Lamar Jackson. He's going to be better than he was last year. You know, we've watched Russell Wilson's career grow. We have watched... Uh, we've watched... Watch it. Um, we've watched so many people's career grow. 
year three is such an amazing year. If that was Lamar Jackson's second year that we witnessed last year, last season, what's the third year going to be like? He's still learning what he's doing. He's still getting exponentially better. Deshaun Watson as well. He's still getting better. These guys are still getting... Patrick Mahomes, we haven't seen the best Patrick Mahomes yet. That's really exciting when it comes That's to football. That's a great point. That's yeah. a great point you make. The three young quarterbacks in the league are just beginning. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, no doubt, and Deshaun Watson, who just got that massive contract. So those are three young quarterbacks who are getting paid, and their best years are in front of them. All right, let's go to the NFC because, again, I want to give you a lot of credit on having Cam Newton even make the playoffs and then oh, yeah. all the way through to the AFC Championship game. No one on this Believe podcast will forget that. That is a ballsy decision. That took balls from you to have them, Cam Newton and Belichick, you know, 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl. If that happens, I'm going to be blown away by that organization. Well, you know how excited I got over the years when we did the show together and when the best football, you know, there's been an evolution in football since we've been watching it where – they make they put the best football player behind center. They used to a lot of times make him a running back or a wide receiver, but now they're making him quarterbacks. And when Michael Vick had his All Pro year, it was so amazing when he came out of jail. When he was, and then the Philadelphia Eagles picked him up, and he was better than he was before he went to jail. And in Cam Newton, how excited I got there! Fifteen in one year because I love my running quarterbacks, and it fascinates me when the best football player on the field who could play any position. Is playing quarterback, and now we've got Lamar Jackson as well. So I'm having a ball, and I will have a ball if it's Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. All right, let's head over to the NFC. Keep it going here. What do you got here for the San Francisco 49ers, New Orleans Saints will be the NFC. Yeah, yeah, the 49ers, the number one defense in the NFL, bar none, with a wink and a nod maybe to the Baltimore Ravens. But Patrick Willis, 49ers defense, has a tendency really to swallow up opposing running backs. Beat the crap out of them, and and the Saints can also end up in the championship game because of their defense. When you're doing it with defense, you got to do it when you when your quarterback is an old, possibly brittle, uh, like Drew Brees. You got to give him a lot of breathing room and, and bring a great defense, like the Denver Broncos did when Peyton Manning was getting old, etc. In 2019, the 49ers had one of the best offenses in the NFL. If you remember, a lot of so-called experts. Uh, are, uh, we're, we're surprised by that. 49ers offense maybe even better this year, still improving exponentially. Is Jimmy G another guy? This will technically really be just his third year in the NFL. So he, like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, maybe uh, and Deshaun Watson, going to be giving us the best football we've ever seen from him. And, oh, and they have an improvements on their offensive line in San Francisco, too. The team that goes to the Super Bowl, as I've always pontificated, is the team with the best defense and the best offensive line. But who likes to talk about defense and offensive lines? But that's the teams that usually end up in the Super Bowl, and that's why the 49ers will crush the Saints, do it with defense. Uh-oh. Uh, 28-17 in the NFC Championship game and move on. And that will be played in Santa Clara, California, and move on to play the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl, where I believe in Tampa Bay, didn't one of your New York Giants teams win the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay? Yes, they did. No, the, yeah, the Giants not only won that, that was Super Bowl 
25. Oh, no, guess that? what? They, they, no, they played the Ravens and lost in the Super Bowl. Oh, that right. was the Jason Seahorn Super Bowl. They, yes. had, they had a great moment down there where Whitney Houston <laughs> sang the anthem, yep. and they won, and that was wide right, which was one of the great Super Bowls of all time. And then they had the Jason Seahorn Super Bowl where Jason Seahorn and my friend Jim Fossil, the head coach, couldn't put up a fight against Brian Billick and a young guy named Ray Lewis who yep. tore the Giants apart and took one of those Super Bowls that the Giants couldn't have away. So, yeah, that, that was the Super Bowl. I was at both of them. I remember them very good. And I believe it's Super Bowl LV. The Ravens will win it in the same stadium where they won their first title against your New York football Giants all those moons ago. Baltimore's got better this offseason with key acquisitions. Uh, Calais Cabell, we mentioned Derek Wolf, Patrick Quayne. Ravens have the best kicking game in the NFL in a style of offense that's really impossible to defend with Lamar Jackson, who's only getting better. Ravens win the Super Bowl as Lamar Jackson goes deep to downtown Hollywood Brown, who's fully healthy this year. Baltimore has it all. Ravens win it. Final score, 34-20. Baltimore over San Francisco. We both picked the Baltimore Ravens to yep. win the Super Bowl with our Super Bowl picks. And I don't know if I like that or not, I but, know. but we'll remember oh, that. Last year, live on the fly, because this year, I remember last year I said, okay, maybe in future years you should tell me so I don't look like a lapdog and pick the same team. But as soon as you're going for the Ravens, well, I'm going, I wasn't going to change it. Last year I picked, I changed my Super Bowl pick, or two years ago, uh, on the fly because I had the same Super Bowl pick you did, and I wanted it to be an entertaining show and show some diversity. I rarely do that because we just like to do the show organically and be ourselves. But uh, picking games is fun, and as you know, uh, it's, it's just a crapshoot, which is why you don't gamble, even though you live in Vegas, because so many different variables. I heard you talk to Tony Bruno, one of the greatest sports talk hosts of all time. <laughs> I'm sad to see what's uh, happened recently with Tony Bruno. And the fact that he lost his show, not only on Sirius XM, where I have one of my platforms, but, you know, we got a lot of friends in this business, and yep. it's a difficult time to be on the radio, and people are saying things. Some are saying things that they have conviction with. Others are saying things that they regret. Can you share any part of that conversation with Tony? Well, yes. And I talked to Tony and his fabulous producer, Robin, for quite a while today. And, it was, you know, Tony has always been a talk show host's talk show host. A lot of times people who do this for a living, can be like uh, girls at the prom. They Instead of, when they instead, when they see somebody else with the same dress, they get upset instead of getting excited and laughing about it and realizing they both have the same outstanding taste. Sometimes when talk show hosts hear other talk show hosts, they get bitchy about it. They get jealous and they, they don't give credit where credit is due. But not Tony. Everybody loved Tony. Everybody to a man who had ever heard Tony Bruno host a, a talk show. Loved him. And when they meet him in person, same thing. A guy's guys, a people lover. And I think when sometimes when things like this happen, you have to, really, when somebody's been on the air that many years, you have to judge someone by an entire career and not a moment in time. Also, I don't think they listened close enough to what happened. He was flippantly referring to somebody who had said it, not his own convictions. But I don't think they took enough time and enough deep breaths before they let him go, and sometimes it's confusing, and there before the grace of God go I, we've always said when anybody gets dropped in sports talk radio, because, you know, when Don Imus, if you go back in the hot tub time machine, you remember his nappy-headed hose comment, and then he was gone, and if you and I had been watching or listening when he said it live, we wouldn't have blinked, 
because it was the same act he was doing for 30 years. But a lot of times you can do the same act you've been doing for 20 and 30 years. And the reason why you have a great platform is because you're great at it. You've had the reps, the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. But sometimes the times catch up with you. And what you may have said 20 and 30 years ago that nobody may have blinked at all of a sudden gets you fired. And when you're doing it in a provisional format like you and I have done for so long, that was always in the back of our mind. Uh, when we're doing improvisation for three hours a day, am I going to say something flippantly, accidentally, not listen to what's come out of my mind that may be misinterpreted and I will get labeled in a way that I find it impossible to defend? And I understand that. And to look at some of Tony's tweets over the last couple of days, he said, as many of you already know, my Sirius XM and SportsMap radio shows were canceled about comments about LeBron James. In the NBA, anyone who's known me or my work for nearly 50 years, 40 in radio, know who I am. I've always tried to be respectful, kind, and treat with class and dignity everyone. It's up to you to judge me. What he said about LeBron James and the reading comment in the NBA was wrong. It was wrong. So I'm not defending Tony's comments, but I'm coming on this podcast to say that I know Tony Bruno. And I've known him a long time, and he's not a racist. And I've seen him do unbelievable things. But what he did was he made a mistake behind a microphone with his words. He went over the edge when he talked about the NBA and not being able to read and the comments that he said. I'm very critical of LeBron James. I know where the bob-wired fence is. I know where the cliff is. And Tony was very passionate at the time, and he said something. I think he said something that he regrets, but I'm not Tony Bruno. I wish Tony... I wish he just would have apologized right at that moment. Quickly, at that moment, if he would have apologized. And not saying what he said was, you know, he says something with conviction. We all do. But at that point in time, his emotions got ahead of him. Oh, where he said something flippant. Yeah. Right. And he's a great guy. Great guy. We love Tony. Well, I talked to them today. You know, he didn't realize, you know, so it was this, it was this, and this can happen to any one of us. He didn't realize the moment in time when it happened. Mm-hmm. And it, on Twitter and Twitch and different things that they for platforms that they were on, nobody mentioned anything. So he didn't even know that he had a chance to to apologize for anything because they moved on to the next segment and he didn't think about it right away. And nobody had re- until that article was written in Deadspin, he didn't realize that moment even happened. So he didn't even get a chance to apologize. Yeah, and I just wish he would have handled it a little bit better. And that's not a criticism of Tony. We're all in this business. We've all handled things differently. Oh, yeah. And we all make mistakes. Oh. I would say I screw up five times a day before breakfast. I just hope that people give Tony Bruno another opportunity again down the road on another platform. Because oh, yeah. What got me on this topic is something we've been talking about this podcast for months. There are people that get things wrong all the time. They guessed wrong about COVID. Yeah. Guessed wrong. And now... Close to 200,000 Americans done, dead. 200,000, and people thought, oh, 1,000, it's just the flu. That, to me, is a much more reckless. Betting on people dying is much more reckless than saying, you're all fired up in the middle of the segment, you say something about the NBA, LeBron, you should apologize, you didn't, and we know you're not a racist. And then we have race baiters who are on radio and who have websites and are clickbait, and they do far worse than this every day the damage that they're doing, and they don't get fired. They get raises, and they get more clicks. So that's what bothers me about this. This brings Tony Bruno down, 
but some of the racist crap that I see on the Internet and I hear on radio and the race baiters go along, that's what I don't like about it. So I admit, Tony made a mistake. I don't think Tony handled it right. If I was Tony, I would have fell on the sword quickly. I would have apologized. I would have said the moment got away from me. I'd like to come back to radio, not talking about retirement. This is it. No. Tony Bruno needs to be on the radio. He's very talented. Absolutely. Really quickly go back and fix this. Because in the old days, guess what would have happened? He would have got suspended for two weeks. Right. We don't suspend right. people anymore. We're in the cancel culture. We don't suspend anybody and say, hey, take the weekend off. Now what we do is we drop them from platforms and fire them. I don't and agree it's, with it's that. It's always can't When you cancel, then, you know, it's nothing new. You know, I know you are, you and I are both experts on Egyptian history and pharaohs. <laughs> but, you know, when you take a look at so many of the great things that we're missing from history, because they will take a, a new pharaoh would come along and try to get rid of any remnants of the previous pharaoh and cancel out any existence of the previous pharaoh. And it does go back. So it's, it's, a, it's not a new human trait, but it's always been a human trait that sucks. And we do have to have empathy, compassion, uh, and we do have to many times realize, especially people who use words for a living, people who improvise for a living. You know, Tony, and you and I, and anybody who does this, isn't, uh, a, you know, stand-up comics get to do 20 minutes, they get to go out every night, maybe go to a, an open mic, and they get to weed out the bad stuff and include the good stuff and think about what they're going to write it, write it down. And we don't have that, that privilege. I remember one time when my, Mark Cuban wanted to buy a baseball team. It might have been the Dodgers. But the Major League Baseball owner said, no way. And I said to you, oh, maybe they don't like Cubans. And uh, just a, as a play on words, because his last name's Cuban. I don't even know what his ethnicity is. And, but I, I apologized, like, I remember 60 seconds later, because I was worried it would be misinterpreted somehow when... We're just filling fucking time, you know, and trying to be entertaining and trying to have fun, and I didn't mean anything by it. So I jumped right away. And another night, I remember, I made an incredibly sexist comment and apologized one away because it just uh, it didn't come from any dark place. It was uh, inappropriate, and I jumped on it. But you never, you know, when you're in a spontaneous format like this, you never know. And you said one more important thing. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk shows, and Tony's not been one of them. A lot of talk show hosts out there, sports talk show hosts, who've said, don't listen to doctors, listen to me. That's dangerous. Don't listen to doctors, listen to me. I talk about point spreads, but you should listen to me on a dangerous virus and not doctors. They don't know what they're talking about. They can't agree with each other. Stop it. That's an amazing point you just said, because this is how insane at the end of every year they have the 2020 person of the year and it could be someone who's heinous in the past and a dictator right. who was in the news or whatever and every once in a while they'll throw up a nun or a pope or a nurse or someone right. who's famous who does something right this year has been so ass backwards so crazy that i don't know who's going to be there but there's so much media coming at us right now and my wife and i get in a routine the old routine used to be Come home late at night, put on Charlie Rose's background noise until we found out that 
Charlie Rose used to come out of his of his dressing room with a bathroom open with nothing on under it, and he's off. So I can't listen to Charlie Rose anymore as the backdrop. I can't even find his library on the brain. He had I know the brain series, which was the smartest thing on television. I put it on and I'd fall asleep. And I told you this. I haven't even told this to my parents, my sisters. I've always dreamed of being on the Charlie Rose show. I remember I, when you wrote your book. It was the number one goal. I had had an interview. I got there. I was in the finals of being on the Charlie Rose show because I just like his interview style. And now it's COVID-19. It's insanity. It's social injustice. It's the killing of George Floyd. And we don't have enough people in the media who can soothe this. What they're doing is they're even they're either uber liberal on the evening news or they're a right wing wacko on cable news. And I can't find the news, so I go to the BBC. And my wife and I watch the BBC because their format of going around the clock in every half hour is really good. They right. get to the United States, but they cover the national global news because our news is, is global now. We're the global news. Mm-hmm. We're an election cycle. We got this crazy election. We got COVID. We got all this insanity happening. And I want to see it from another perspective. So... Oh, and, you know, and it's really important that we get that because there's this perspective I've always talked to you about uh, over the years that we've known, and that is good news. There's no good news channel. You know, when you see a, 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 you see a Karen in the park calling, uh, calling the police because it's black people having a, a picnic in the park, and she's saying awful things. You know, we've ne- we've never been more together as a culture in America. The races have never gotten along better in the genders and the orientations, etc., and the ethnicities. But when th- those things get amplified, it makes it feel to a lot of people like things have never been worse. But there's a great book out, and I'm hopefully the name will come to me by the time I'm done with this. Oh, and by the way, the name of the book is Factfulness. I had to look it up after we were done with the podcast which is why my voice sounds so much better at this moment. Can't believe you listened to 48 minutes of me with that microphone sounding like that. But the name of the book is Factfulness. Check it out. Very positive book about how the world has never been a better place. No child born is further than 10 miles away from a vaccine. If the parents would like to get them a free vaccine for polio, etc., and the stuff that children get vaccines for. No child in the world is born more than 10 miles away. Uh, from uh, a vaccine. Uh, There are fewer people starving than ever at any time of the world. There are fewer wars than ever at any time of the world. But there's no good news channel. And the United States, blacks and whites and Latinos and Asians and gay people and straight people never got along better. You go to clubs, a lot of them in the big cities aren't even separated anymore. There's clubs that just involve everybody coming and dancing and having a good time. That was before COVID. So there's no good news channel for that, and we probably need to talk about that more. I want to wrap this up, or you're going to move it around somewhere else because you love to edit the podcast. But I want to end up with wildfires. And I live in Vegas, and we have a red glow of dark air in Vegas, not because there's a fire anywhere. We haven't had rain in over 160 days. And I'm talking a drop of rain. I'm not talking about a monsoon or a rainstorm where it rained half the day and a little flood in your backyard. We haven't had a droplet of rain in the longest amount of time that I can remember. But now I look out my window and I'm seeing smoke because of the California wildfires and the great work that you do as a newsman on the radio on the weekend. 
what the hell is going on uh. with these wildfires that are displacing and killing all this acreage? And I can't believe it because I think that it's going to take a year off or we're not going to have wildfires for every other year. Is this every year, the rest of our lives, where California is going to burn? Well, uh, which gets me onto this, too, about the biggest mistake Hollywood made in that movie Inconvenient Truth was having a politician host it, Al Gore host it. People thought, well, I don't, I don't like Al Gore. So 50% of the people said, I don't like Al Gore. So, it must be, so, so climate change must be a liberal thing. And it politicized something really important, our climate and our weather. And, uh, and almost everything in that movie <laughs> started to come true. And they politicized it by having a, pol- a weenie politician host. And that's terrible that that happened. That was a terrible choice by the producers. And I think he was one of them, so maybe there was no choice. But when I walked out today to go run, I couldn't because there was ash on my car. And I said, I can't breathe this in. I don't know if, you know, I want to run or exercise or hike in order to get healthy, not to kill myself. So I drove to a gym in Orange County because the gyms in Orange County are open. But it was, uh, yeah, it was like, I, you know, when you, if anybody remembers seeing the, the videotape of the volcanoes in the Philippines or anywhere there's ever been a volcano where people have to come out and wipe ash off their cars before they drive. That's what I had to do this morning. Like it was snow, like it snowed a half inch at night. It's pretty sad. And it's, you know, I grew up in upstate New York where the sun didn't really shine. You went to school in Geneseo. You remember that. A sunny day was a day where the sun was shining behind the clouds. And that's what it's been the last few days in L.A. because of the fires, not because of clouds. Yeah, we've covered all these stories. A couple of headlines for the major publications around the world. The New York Times, Oregon, California, Washington State, wildfires roar. The Seattle Times, super massive plume of smoke expected in Seattle area as wildfires rage across the West. Live science, stark new imagery reveals the scary extent of West Coast wildfires and CBS News. Live updates as California is under ash and no end to the wildfires. This is incredible to me. I just wanted to bring this up because we like to print these podcasts with how many COVID deaths there are. What have we done since we moved the podcast over to Believe? I want to thank all the men and women, these firefighters. I don't know how they do it. And, Tom, the imagery, I saw it with the Australian wildfires, which might have been the worst in the history of the world. And there was a scene where... A family had to race down to the ocean. They had to take their vehicle through Ooh. the sand from the fire to get to the water to escape the so wildfires. Sit in the was, water. Yeah, so they could sit in the water. And Fresno, this area in Fresno, the other night on the national news, same thing. 200 people were trapped. They were all the way down by the water. And the image of the smoke and a Chinook helicopter, the giant one landing in a clearance on the beach, families as their cars were burning on the roads getting into a helicopter to be saved they would have they would have had to go in the water in this lake to survive so i don't know what to do i am not an environmentalist i should get better on this maybe that'll be a good way to wrap this up and care more about the environment but 
I don't know what's going on here, but it's scary. And I think of people in California all the time. This, to me, is not getting better, and this is going to be a problem for the rest of our lives. Well, uh, I think that's a great way to wrap up about this subject, and that is, uh, just like as I said, uh, listen to doctors, not to talk show hosts about COVID-19. Doesn't doesn't matter what, how much you learn, JT, about the environment or climate change. Don't listen to JT. Don't listen to me. <laughs> listen to scientists about things having to do with the environment or global warming or climate change or whatever you want to call it. Happy podcasting. We'll do it again next week on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.